Welcome to the RX for Biotech podcast, where we perform a deep dive into the biotech ecosystem and prescribe new ways of working for the industry to meet the needs of healthcare providers and patients. The podcast features interviews with the experts and disruptors who share their insights about innovative new treatments. Our guest today is Brent Meadows, Chief Business Officer and U.S. General Manager at Uncle One. Uncle One is a biotech company that's really focused on developing novel therapeutics for patients with solid tumors and autoimmune diseases. They're they're based in Vienna, Austria. The founders identified the disease-related isoform of one of the most important drivers of innate and adaptive immunity, and that's the macrophage migration inhibitory factor, or MIF. Now, MIF has really been an undruggable target similar to KRAS, where for years we've, we've known about KRAS, we've known now for about MIF for decades, but it's been considered a target that's ubi- really undrug- undruggable. It's, MIF is ubiquitous throughout the body. And Uncle one is seeking to overcome these challenges of targeting MIF by really looking at the druggable isoform named oxidized macrophage migration inhibitory factor, or, or just called OxMIF for short. The company has is focused on developing two antibodies, therapeutic antibodies. One is in development for the treatment of solid tumors, and a second antibody is in development to treat inflammation and autoimmune disorders. Hey, good morning, Brent. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Really excited to have you on. Uh, you know, how are things uh, in the Northeast today? How are you guys doing? Uh, well, it's cold. Uh, winter is is here in Boston, but uh, yeah, thanks thanks for having me, Chris. It's uh, always great to reconnect. Yeah, no, it's, I was excited to learn more, and I'm sure my listeners will be eager to hear more about Uncle One because so much in the immuno oncology space and immunology space sort of is talking right now about the cellular therapy approaches to tumor associated antigens and ways to target new antigens on the cell surface of tumors. We're really going back here a ways to talk about something what's old is maybe new again and how you we will talk a little bit about how you in the formation of your company. But I thought maybe we could jump in and talk a little bit about macrophage migration inhibitory factor or MIF. You know, I know that this was originally identified from the culture medium of T cells more than 50 years ago, and it, it was found to inhibit the migration of macrophages. So let's let's maybe talk, jump in and talk a little bit more. Can you tell us more about MIF and what is its role in innate and adaptive immunity? Yeah, happy to, Chris. First of all, uh, thanks, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, Chris and I had the good fortune of working together uh, back on an oncology co-promotion years ago. One of us on the global side from the biotech approach, the other focused on the U.S. market um, with large pharma. But we had a lot of great experiences and learning together. And uh, again, thanks for having me on the podcast to talk a little bit about MIF and Onco one yeah, the um, macrophage migration inhibitory factor is the original cytokine that was first characterized by Bloom and Bennett back in science way back in 1966. Uh, the mechanistic experts refer to MIF as interleukin zero because it was characterized a full 13 years before interleukin one was identified. So what's great is that there's over 50 years of research leading to over 3,000 peer-reviewed publications that have clarified that MIF is a pleiotropic cytokine. It drives multiple important activities, driving tumor formation, growth, 
and metastases, as well as promoting uh, pro-inflammatory macrophage activation, which is probably what Bloom and Bennett were, were viewing there, even though myth probably like TNF-alpha is, is misnamed in the big scheme of things. But um, myth activation also results in the, in the release of pro-inflammatory mediators um, since myth is upstream of TNF-alpha and interleukin-1-beta. So tumor-derived MIF helps drive angiogenesis and macrophage polarization to the M2 phenotype, and that's known to drive uh, tumor immune evasion. Uh, but MIF also negatively influences the other key immune effector cells in the tumor microenvironment, such as natural killer cells, T cells, myeloid-derived suppressor cells, and dendritic cells. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Brent. <laughs> My listeners may not recall, I don't talk much about this, but in my early career, I was a bench scientist at Amgen working in the immuno-oncology lab back then. And, you know, it was cancer biology and autoimmune diseases. Sure. What's interesting about this is I remember setting up screening assays. We were actually looking at blocking. Uh, they were, you know, migration as uh, inhibition assays. We were looking at blocking the migration of macrophages. And you do screening assays with a bunch of small molecules looking to try to block that extravasation and migration of macrophages. What, what do you think... Why has this target been so elusive and considered undruggable for so long? I mean, we've been hearing a lot about KRAS and HRAS and how, you know, some companies have been able to find ways to hack that target. What's been the barrier to finding ways to block this target? Yeah, great question, Chris. And it's certainly been amazing to see the advances um, in, in drugging KRAS. PI3 kinase is another great um, undruggable Target, which uh, Novartis uh, with the help of Luke Cantley helped figure it out. But certainly, um, you know, our team at Uncle One believes that MIF is actually an inert precursor um, and is truly undruggable, that MIF is stored in abundance. We have it in healthy tissues throughout our body. It's present in the circulation of healthy patients. And what happens is that in the presence of inflammation, whether that's a nephritic kidney, uh, an arthritic joint, an asthmatic lung, or a solid tumor, uh, myths released from the healthy tissues and secreted by immune cells. And then what happens is myth aggregates at the sites of inflammation. It's actually the very first cytokine that shows up at the inflamed tissue and it binds to the CD74 receptor complex. And then what the founders of Onco One realized is that at that point in time, myth goes through a conformational change and it oxidizes into what our founders called oxidized myth or ox myth. And, um, you know, this finding has led to really the formation of Onco One. Uh, and recent findings led by the George Lisi uh, lab at Brown University confirmed the distinct difference between myth and ox myth at the atomic level via mass spectrometry and uh, determined that, number one, that myth and ox myth were distinct isoforms, and also that myth was the inert precursor and that ox myth was that dynamic, active, um, and therefore disease-related related and druggable isoform of myth. That what happens upon oxidation is that this tightly wound myth trimer opens up in the central core of MIF is then accessible when oxidized for monoclonal antibody therapy. And we believe that antibody therapy 
is the best approach in, in targeting this, um, in targeting Oxmith. So, um, Again, our, our founders didn't really stop at just discovering and naming Oxmith. They were antibody engineers at the core. So they created two optimized monoclonal antibodies to target Oxmith. One, with one of them, they amped up the effector function to induce antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity as well as antibody-dependent cellular phagocytosis for treating solid tumors. And they created a second asset, which is completely immunosilence. And the goal there um, was for patients with inflammatory conditions or autoimmune disorders that would need chronic therapy. Um, this would be, you know, as as safe as possible, but effectively and strongly neutralizing um, the role of Oxmith. And you know, both of those assets that that efficiently neutralize Oxmith are on track to enter phase one um, here coming up in 2023. Just to follow up on that Oxmith platform and sure. how, how you've described nicely how your approach is overcoming some of the limitations of this previously considered undruggable target. What um the decision to go with an antibody approach, does this have something to do, like when you're screening, does this have something to do with bioavailability or immunogenicity or like other advantages to an antibody approach versus small molecule or other uh, type of approach? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think I think the the MIF trimer just lends itself um, with that central core for, for antibody binding, but it may just be one of the... Um, situations where our team are experts on antibody development. They're, they're antibody bioengineers, and that was uh, their background, and that's what led to Onco One being founded in, in, in 2018. So when they were at a previous company, they were, they were given the challenge, um, drug, myth, figure out it's an undruggable target, but try to figure out how to, to do that. So they characterized 145 different antibodies and found the ones that bound the strongest myth had had no biologic activities. And there was this group of eight or nine antibodies off to the side that started the exact biologic activity that you you would want in an optimized myth antibody. And our CEO at the time, who was leading the drug development of the of this other company, left on a trip and told our current CSO, like, hey, I hope you can figure out what's going on here by the time I get back. And when he did, you know, the theory came up from our now chief scientific officer that, hey, myth must exist in two different isoforms because it's binding over here, but not over there. So I think this is it's one of those serendipitous, serendipitous scientific discoveries that uh, really was only figured out because we approach approach drugging myth from a very different perspective of as antibody engineers versus um, maybe bench scientists. So maybe that worked in our favor at this point in time. And then what's what's been great is that um, this whole Oxmith hypothesis has continued to be validated here throughout 22, uh, 2022. First off with the mass spec work out of Brown, which was published in Structure back in May, and then a, a recent review article was published in CITSI's journal, the Journal for Immunotherapy of Cancer, which summarized 55 years of MIF science and 
linked it to that it's really ox milk that's driving the biologic activity of myth. So being able to pull that that entire story together in uh, in one peer reviewed journal is, is 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 certainly great to see. Yeah, well, that's a good explanation, too, around you know, the target and your approach to, to uh, in, interacting and, and, and blocking the activity of the target there. We're going to talk a minute about all the potential indications and things uh, must be a big challenge because there's utility in so many different indications. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's get back and talk a little bit about Uncle One, relatively newcomer to the, to the life sciences space. Can, can you share a little bit about the, you know, with, with the audience, share the story about how the company was formed? Yeah, sure. Um, the company was founded in 2018 um, by those three expert antibody engineers. The company is based um, in Vienna, Austria. We're right in the um, Vienna Biotech Park. Um, and while the previous company has mentioned, you know, they were given that challenge and and figured out, you know, how to drug myth and 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 oxmith and. You know what? What's been great to see is that um, you know at that previous company, unfortunately, the Oxmif program was deprioritized. So you know this group was remained committed to the target um, and belief in Oxmif and its therapeutic potential. So Onco One was started with a focus of creating those two optimized antibodies to provide the best possible Oxmif blockade to stop the pro tumor as well as the pro inflammatory pathways that have historically been attributed to MIF. I think my listeners often like to understand, and since since capital is so scarce for companies now being able to do new capital raises, just curious what you can share publicly around who have been some of your main investors and what how much capital has been raised to date by Uncle One. Yeah, sure. Um, Uncle One uh, successfully raised 10 million euros from two private Austrian investment houses back in 2020 and then secured additional non-dilutive funding through grants from the Austrian government. In many cases, it's easier to start a biotech in Europe um, due to the government funding that's available, um, but it's easier to get follow-on investment here um, when based in the United States. Um, but with both of our Oxmith antibodies on track to enter clinical trials next year, the team's been you know highly productive with the capital raise you know in a very short period of time with with very focused resources to be able to get you know two um, two assets so close to the clinic. So we're currently in the process of raising Series B financing at this time, uh, but we're also in talks with both large and comparably. Um, you know, smaller pharmaceutical and biotech companies for potential partners. Um, we're talking to some of the biggest VCs that are out there, as well as some comparatively smaller uh, VCs. But as you mentioned, you know, capital's at a premium these days. We've got a, a, that parallel effort um, to not only try to secure funding for venture capital, but but to determine the interest from pharmaceutical partners. And we have, have been excited to, to see uh, the interest from uh, both big pharma as well as smaller and mid, mid cap groups, because I guess new assets and immuno-oncology and innate immunity really don't fall out of trees. So um, it's exciting for a company that um, that wants to be a leader, that that wants a novel asset. We, we are the only Oxmith program um, certainly in cancer as well as immunology. 
Uh, but but you know, with 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 capital being such a premium these days, we're also exploring collaborations with relatively new but well-funded biotechs that have recently started up. In fact, that have been started up um, you know, since Anka One has, has started off. And in, in many cases. These smaller biotechs are seeking novel targets to either validate their platforms or to help them create value for their investors with clinical stage assets that would get to clinics sooner than their own program. So I guess, um, you know, these challenging economic times kind of lead to um, the need to be more flexible and open with innovative collaborations and and believing we believe that that's going to remain you know, the key to our funding success. Um, and that'll continue to get our science, um, you know, out, out to, to patients. And that's what's critical for us. Sure. And I, I know it's been only a few years. It seems like, you know, you've, you've already accomplished a lot. So what have been some of your key scientific and corporate accomplishments since, since your company's founding? Sure. Well, specifically, I, you know, I would I would put at the top of the list the fact that we developed and also manufactured two novel and optimized Oxniff antibodies. That would that would have to be at the top of the list, and you know, a great deal of effort went into ensuring that we made the best possible Oxmith antibodies to optimize tumor cell killing in solid tumors. And then for the second asset to create the safest Oxmith neutralizing antibody for chronic use in inflammatory conditions and having two distinct and optimized assets um, for these very different markets continues uh, to be important moving forward. So if you think about our lead asset in solid tumors, which is ON203, that's going to be delivered uh, intravenously. Uh, so that would significantly limit the market for, for autoimmune disorders. And with ON104 for inflammatory conditions, you know, we optimize that asset so it could be delivered at a very high concentration where it would be possible to deliver through a subcutaneous auto-injector for the inflammation and autoimmune marker. So two different markets and, um, and uh, you know, the founders were certainly visionary in creating those, those separate assets. Um, we've also been asked, it does, does 104 cross the blood-brain barrier for neuroscience applications? And that's something um, we're very interested in exploring as well, since myth has been implicated in many, uh, in neuroinflammation, whether that's Alzheimer's, um, uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, and, and even ALS. But from the corporate um, and scientific publication point of view, you know, our biggest accomplishment, I have to go back to that Citizy Journal article. We just, you know, presented our science um, uh, colorectal cancer tumor organoid data at Citizy, and that came on the heels of the publication of that Journal of Immunotherapy of Cancer publication and being able to tie that whole story together has been a huge help for us. There's just so much disconnected myth science out there. Just very important to work with those mechanistic experts to help to confirm and validate externally that Oxmith is the disease-related and druggable form of MIF. But if you look on the corporate side, though, it, it's hard to argue that you know the successful formation of the company and pulling together a world-class team of passionate experts wouldn't wouldn't be high on the list as well. Um, that are all focused on delivering Onco1's Oxmith therapies to patients in the clinic. 
Uh, most people don't know that Vienna, Vienna, Austria has quickly become kind of the Boston of Europe with a vibrant biotech scene, multiple large pharmaceuticals, taking notice with, with local investments and partnering deals. In fact, there have been more successful exits from Vienna-based companies in the biotech field than from all of Germany over the past three years, which is a testament to the available talent and the resulting innovations that have come out of that talent. That's fascinating. I think you've talked a bit about some preclinical types of considerations. I'm wondering, you know, there, and we'll, we're going to get in very soon here to patient populations, uh, but how is your preclinical data actually guiding your indication sequencing strategies since you, you can go in so many directions? How, how are you using that data to inform the patient populations where you're likely to sort of first enter the clinic? Yeah, sure. Great question. It's uh, it's part of a challenge with a target like Oxmith, you know, similar to TNF alpha therapy. Where, where do you start? Because there are so many different cancers or inflammatory conditions that would be great ideas where patients could benefit. I would challenge the audience. Um, if you type into a Google search MIF and any specific cancer or MIF and any itis, arthritis, nephritis, um, the refractory asthma, um, you will find review articles and volumes about the important role of MIF in, in these disease areas. So our focus at Oncle One has always been to follow the science. And with over 50 years of MIF science, you know that highly inflammatory cancers, cancers uh, which frequently emerge from inflammatory precursors, such as inflammatory bowel disease and colorectal cancer, or even obesity, where you know, breast cancer, colorectal, pancreatic, ovarian cancer have been tied to obesity, um, obesity being a chronic inflammatory condition, uh, would probably be great areas to uh, to start off with ON203. Uh, but with the role of MIF and colorectal cancer so well established within the literature, um, we evaluated ON203 against uh, metastatic colorectal cancer tumoroids. And these tumoroids are actual fully intact patient material that has the complete tumor microenvironment. And we were pleased to observe single agents uh, tumor cell killing in four out of these five colorectal cancer samples. And this was at just one very low dose of ON203. Uh, we also measured how well ON203 activated key immune cells, such as natural killer cells and, ma and macrophages. And we found that the efficacy of ON203 was directly correlated to the degree of NK and macrophage uh, activation. So these data were first presented in Barcelona this summer at the ESMO GI meeting, and an update was presented this fall at, at CITSI. So uh, look for more analysis of that data set um, to help drive our phase one design this spring at um, AACR, the American Association of Cancer Research meeting. So, but for a faster market approach, we get asked all the time, um, you know, who is going to be the best responding patient population? And uh, we were very fortunate to see at AACR this past year, emerging data out of the MD Anderson Cancer Center Labs of um, their, their thoracic oncology director, Dr. John Hamack, and his lab showed um, that in MIF knockout mice, that MIF was the resistance mechanism for immune checkpoint blockade and keep one 
mutated non-small cell lung cancer. Now, KEEP-1 is mutated in about one out of every six non-small cell lung cancer patients and about 2% of all cancers overall. So we believe that our Oxmith therapies have the potential to help these immunotherapy-resistant patients um, and would help them have more responses and more durable responses when combined with, say, Keytruda or Opdivo uh, treatment. But from a preclinical um point of view, we've been very careful to work with world-class external partners to help validate the efficacy of our antibodies. Um, and <laughs> we, we, um, we, we actively seek out these partnerships and collaborations. So we collaborated with external experts such as Dr. Fred Tam at the Imperial College of London, uh, a kidney uh, inflammation expert, as well as um, Fernando uh, Nicoletti out of the University of Catania that led preclinical experiments in nephritis, arthritis, and inflammatory bowel diseases. So we've done four separate inflammation models that all consistently show positive results for O and 203, exactly what we'd hope to see with a successful MIF-targeted therapy. You talked about this a little bit earlier about, you teased us a little bit about plans to enter the clinic in 23. So. Can, what, what can you tell us about your plans for completing your IND enabling studies and, and what is your timeline um, for entering the clinic or at least what you can share with us publicly? Sure. So um, our lead asset is, is the cancer asset, ON203, and that is finishing up um, the the tox work. We have, we have completed, uh, we've met with the FDA back in April. They were all ahead go with our plan to to enter the clinic. Um, so that so that was obviously uh, great to hear, and uh, we are on track to enter phase one testing middle of 2023. For ON104, uh, Onco One would need a partnership or collaboration to keep that asset on track, and we're we're looking to close that partnership or collaboration by the end of the first quarter of 2023. Um, we we want to keep that asset on track because with that partnership or investment, um, ON104 could also enter clinical testing by the end of 2023. And that's important for us. We don't want to slow down the progress for for that asset. So, uh, but what's great is that we have, um, we we finished uh, a number of successful partnering meetings over the past few months and have JP Morgan and other great partnering meetings to look forward to early uh, next year. So uh, with the the partnering collaboration and acquisition um, activity picking up, as as we can all see with the announcement with Horizon and a few companies looking looking uh, kicking the tires on that company. Uh, we feel very confident that um, we're going to find a great partner of choice and uh, we'll, we'll be able to, to move both assets successfully into the clinic next year. So, Brent, if, if there's folks in the audience listening to this podcast and they want to learn more about your um, Oxmith platform and pipeline, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah, you can email me at brent.meadows at onco1.com. That, that contact information is also on our website, which is onco1.com. Uh, you can follow us on social media at onco1 on Twitter. Uh, we're also uh, provide company updates uh, via LinkedIn. So please uh, reach out to us. Would would love to have you uh, 
kept up to date on our progress as we're moving forward. You made a lot of progress, friends, and I appreciate you taking the time to share with our listeners uh, all, all the great work you're doing at Uncle One and, and with MIF. So thanks for joining the podcast today. Well, 2023 is just a few weeks away. The, the end of the year is rapidly approaching, and I know many of my listeners will be looking at ways to extend or enhance their healthcare provider and patient communications. And that's why I really urge you to get to know Pixicore. Pixicore is an agency that delivers deeply personalized data-driven solutions that enliven the customer experience. They'll help you navigate the unique needs of healthcare providers and patients with targeted agile strategies aligned with their unique journeys to drive measurable engagement results. Reach out to the team at pixicore.com to see how they can help you with your digital omni-channel communications in 2023.